Ted Strickland takes the gloves off. Democrats take their shirts off. And the first step in a possible Blue Jacket bailout. These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at Coside, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Gil Price, Managing Editor for the Columbus Call and Post, Julie Carr Smythe, Statehouse Correspondent for the Associated Press, Lee Roberts, Democratic Strategist, and Michael Miller, Attorney and former Franklin County Prosecutor. The nice guy from Southern Ohio came out swinging in what he billed as his first major campaign speech. Governor Ted Strickland kept saying six words over and over again. John Kasich, Lehman Brothers, and Wall Street. Now, I didn't learn my values from Wall Street. I didn't learn my values from a bankrupt investment bank. I didn't learn my values from modern-day robber barons. I learned my values on a little dirt road in southern Ohio called Duck Run. John Kasich called the criticism pathetic and desperate, and he again insisted he had nothing to do with the Lehman Brothers collapse. Julie Carr-Smythe, this was a little un-Ted Strickland-like this early in the campaign. It, it really was. I think what you saw was a, the Democrats identifying any association with Lehman as the real Achilles heel of, of John Kasich and trying to get that out there now while uh, Wall Street is a topic in Washington, while people have it on their minds. You know, we see the, the voter attitudes toward various issues sort of come in these flows and I think they wanted to capitalize on that. Uh, it also dovetailed with uh, a revelation that John Kasich had actually orchestrated a couple meetings, not any new trades apparently, but at least meetings with Ohio pension funds while he was working for Lehman. Mm -hmm. And so all this, I think, sort of uh, pulled it out and, and uh, the governor was trying his best to be, I think, uh, a firebrand, but <laughs> as we were discussing. And those pension funds ended up losing money when, with along with when Lehman Brothers collapsed, and that's the, right. the downside for them. Did it work? Did this... Uh, Bad boy Ted Strickland work? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're going to know in November, but I think the real strategy that the Strickland campaign has is based on, uh, I think, m less on the issue of Lehman Brothers and more on what all the polls are telling them. Every poll, Quinnipiac, uh, even Rasmussen, um, they all say the same thing. Voters do not know John Kasich. Uh, they have a general approval of him, but they do not know him. He is known in Central Ohio, and quite frankly, there is a generation of young voters who've never voted for John Kasich in Central Ohio, where he is best known. And since voters don't know him, I think that uh, Strickland is rushing in, basically, to try to define him to voters. Michael, has he uh, waited? Has John Kasich waited too long to? to introduce himself, really, to most of Ohioans via television ads, that kind of thing? <clears throat> I don't think so, Mike. We've got uh, six weeks or six months to go. I think a lot of people will be happy that they wait a little bit to get this before. Six months is a long time. Uh, you know, I, I, I take issue a little bit of, of what the governor said. I, John Kasich, I believe, started with Lehman Brothers in 2002, and he was 50 years old. I doubt if that's where he learned his values. He was the son of a postman in Pittsburgh from a very uh, moderate upbringing. 
Uh, but that's politics, uh, and, and I think the Democrats are going to do that all through the campaign. I think it's I don't have anything to do with anything, but I, I suppose it will get votes, and I think the Republicans will do the same thing with uh, 427,000 jobs lost. It's going to be all the governor's fault, and I suppose it would be the governor's fault for losing jobs in Pennsylvania, Indiana, California. I mean, it just seems to me sort of an absurdity, but then I think that's what a lot of these things are. They'll both be arguing to me patently false points, but it'll help them politically. Lee, is that what the governor's trying to do, just take your eye off the jobs ball? Well, I think he's trying to uh, kind of make his opening argument, if you think of this uh, in kind of the courtroom scenario. He's trying to make an opening argument, and he's trying to kind of give you uh, a really stark contrast. You've got Ted Strickland, uh, Duck Run on one end, and then you've got John Kasich, the congressman from Wall Street, on the other end. Um, and, you know, he tries to say that he worked in this small two-person office in Columbus, but John Kasich made a lot of money working at Lehman Brothers. So either they were paying him to be an empty suit or he was involved. Could this hurt Ted Strickland's image as a nice guy, or is that ingrained on Ohio voters now? I think that, uh, and the d governor did say this that day, but I do think that people feel they have a sense of Ted Strickland. I don't know that this particular speech is going to hurt him for being... Nasty. I don't think it was a nasty speech. It had some, some sort of pithy and, and uh, you know, pointed remarks in it. But I think what will hurt him more is, you know, as Mike says, sort of the economy and whether people blame him for the job losses and blame um, Lieutenant Governor Lee Fisher as development director and the whole administration for, for whether or not they acted on the economy. And they, these are false arguments to some respect. It was a national economic crisis. We're, we're now trying to place blame for one state out of 50 for you know, major earth-shattering changes in the American economy. So um, it's politics. I think, though, one of the issues that, that Democrats are seeing, of course, um, nationally and in, and I think we'll see in Ohio is is the election referendum on the direction that we're already heading or is it a choice about what direction we're going to head in the future and I think that's where um, the some of uh, the ideas that uh, John Kasich has proposed you know, you know the the el eliminating the income tax for example or phasing out the income tax you know, one one week he says, you know, early on he said that's what I want to do eventually. When yeah, he's you know, backed off, it quite he's a bit. backed off it yeah. quite a bit because obviously, you know, when you start talking about losing forty percent of what you have, mm -hmm. you know, you got to start paying for that. But those are the issues. Is it a referendum, or is it a choice? And then I think that the Strickland folks are going to want to say it's a choice between this vision and the vision that Kasich has. Coming up this week, we could have a big story that could have a big impact on the campaign for governor. A state Senate committee holds confirmation hearings for Strickland's public safety director, Kathy Collins-Taylor. Of course, Inspector General Tom Charles accused Collins-Taylor of canceling a planned contraband sting at the governor's mansion for political reasons <coughs> and then lying to investigators. Collins-Taylor claims she disputes those claims, and her attorney maintains Charles is biased in his investigation. Michael Miller, I'm interested to get your take. You're a former prosecutor, also a defense attorney. Well, how do you view this investigation? Is this a well, you know, it's a pretty surprising thing. Uh, uh, Tom Charles is, and I know Tom pretty well. I know Rocky Saxby pretty well. Uh, uh, Tom has done a lot of these for many, many years, as you know, and I think he was highly respected by everybody. In fact, I believe Governor Strickland reappointed him in that position and mm -hmm. so forth. And, and the report itself, although I've not read it all, uh, but it was uh, it was pretty harsh. 
there weren't a lot of words uh, minced and so forth. I mean, that's obviously what the inspector believes uh, happened. Uh, Rocky, on the other hand, who I think is generally a, uh, uh, a very reasonable, try to work things out lawyer, he's come out with all his guns firing too. And uh, it has been something that I really haven't quite experienced in, in situations between the inspector general and the other side in the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, if it goes to the Senate, and I say if it goes, uh, I, I think that's still debatable. I think she's got a very uphill battle uh, uh, with the, uh, what is it, 21 to 12, uh, I, I think, the issue with the Republicans. I think she's going to have a, a very, very difficult time, and I don't think it's going to be uh, uh, good for her or or the governor's office. Why is she doing this? I mean, for that very reason, it's it, the Republicans can't vote to confirm her, can they? Because uh, if they do, it takes the issue away from the campaign. If the Republicans say she did nothing wrong, she should be public safety director. The issue goes away. So why is she going through the confirmation hearings, and why isn't she withdrawn? That kind of thing. I would suspect that the reason why she's going through the confirmation hearings, and the reason why. Uh, the governor is backing her is because if he withdraws the nomination then I think that would be perceived as a tacit admission that there were some serious problems and it would call into question his leadership obviously the uh, the the Republicans in the Senate you know s most of them want to make an issue out of this Bill Seitz surprisingly I mean one of the most conservative senators in the Senate um, has kind of seemingly come out somewhat in, in support of, uh, of, of the, uh, of the director, safe director. But at the same time, I think that's why the governor feels like if he doesn't take a stand on this, mm -hmm. then they're going to try to use this as another wedge or another attack issue for him, that he is uh, asleep at the switch, that he's not running the show, and that he may be covering up something. Well, and it's interesting that um, earlier in the administration, not quite as close to the election, we've seen Ted Strickland act. We've seen him get rid of his lottery director. We've seen him uh, uh, take uh, Mike Shoemaker out of that position at, at the school uh, facilities commission, that kind of thing. So we've seen him take some action, and I think that he is probably afraid that this is going to look directly as if, you know, it can move right into a political ad this fall and be used as, you know, well, uh, not necessarily obstruction of justice, but playing with law enforcement in order to uh, benefit someone politically. Um, I think that maybe she's going through the hearing, um, as Gil suggests, just to get that line of questioning out there in public to be able to say, here's why I did what yeah. I did. Is Tom Charles, will he be called to testify at these hearings? I don't know. Well, I would think if you're the, if you're the, you know, it's very clear that Bill Harris, I mean, you know, you, we've all gotten the same thing, that Dave Goodman is pushing this bill about, you know, um, you know, enforcing or strengthening things at the, at the uh, governor's mansion and, and in the press release it says this is a priority. They obviously want to make this an issue. So mm -hmm. I can't imagine Tom Gerald's not being asked. But Lee, that, that opens up the whole question of bias, and he'll be questioned about that, you'd assume, at least by the Democratic members of these committees. Yeah, and there's some issues with the report, at least in my mind. The FOP, uh, State Fraternal Order Police, sent a letter this week to uh, President Harris and uh, Minority Leader Cafaro calling into question uh, a little bit of cherry-picking of emails that were used in this report. There's a couple of emails that would be exculpatory um, had they been included in the report. 
um, speaking about basically when this uh, investigation was or when this plan was put together to stop uh, the drop of what inevitably became tobacco, uh, not drugs. Um, I think there's definitely oh, there's some, some questions some question. there. I'm yeah, not sure where you get that, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> there's still a dispute on whether it's drugs or That's the way they want to turn on it. I, don't, yeah. I haven't seen any proof of that zero. Yeah. I think the, if there is going to be, uh, if Tom Charles testifies, then of course, you know, the issue is going to be Tom Charles was originally appointed under the Republicans and was viewed, I think, you know, as a long time. You know, he may be fair, but also viewed as a Republican. But and let's you not know. forget. I mean, his wife was in the running for the job Kathy Collins Taylor now has. Um, as and and when we look at the FOP, Kathy Collins Taylor is married to someone who used to be an executive within the FOP. I mean, it's a real nest of bees as far as yeah. this job and the selection process and and what precisely is going on here. Okay, and, and I think too, Mike, regardless of what anybody wants, it is going to be a political issue and it's going to last through the campaign. Yeah. It, that, the genie's out of the bottle, rightly or wrongly. That's the way it is, it's going to be there. Okay. Topic three, Democrats are fighting chest hair with chest hair. Days after the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee used an image of a shirtless Lee Fisher to attack his record on jobs, the Ohio Democratic Party released its own web ad. Rob Portman took the shirt right off my back. But he helped ship 91,000 jobs out of Ohio. And when he supported tax breaks for companies moving overseas. When he served as Bush's czar. Letting the national debt swell by $500 billion. Stand in solidarity with Ohio workers. Let's let them know how many people lost the shirts off their backs. Go to PortmanTookTheShirtOffMyBack.com. We'll deliver a shirt in your name to Rob Portman. Go to this website. Sign up. Okay, Lee Roberts, is this it now? No more bare-chested, middle-aged men and one woman. I think the rest the, of this uh, campaign. I think the girl's gone wild. Influence is done here in the uh, <laughs> the Senate race. Uh, thankfully, um, I will say at least the Democrats were able to add a little bit of uh, substance to this, uh, and there wasn't filled with the double entendres uh, of the previous ad, which was you know beyond defense, uh, regardless of party. In fact, Rob Portman called it, I think, uh, in poor taste. Um, so I'm glad that you know we can get on to some more pressing issues in this race than who's wearing whose shirt. These aren't fringe groups that are producing these ads. This is the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee <laughs> did the first one, and the Ohio Democratic Party. Does that surprise anybody? That I think it just shows. I mean, this is a very intense year. This is not. It's not brand new to be able to run web ads, but it's. Uh, it's a relatively new thing in the last couple cycles that doesn't cost a lot of money. It can cause a huge stir. I think that the um, the NRSC hoped to get a little, you know, sort of buzz. YouTube action yeah. and buzz and did not intend for what did happen or how it was interpreted. Um, Speaking to that, the web ads, I mean, TV stations run them, but they're not on TV, they're not paid advertisement. I mean, who's watching these? Is it, is it, is it really swaying minds? Because it's the partisans who are seeing these viral spreads and things like that. I think it, it generally sort of supports people's own mindsets that they've already, you know, decided on. But remember one thing: when you do an outrageous ad, you know, it gets. I mean, this ad, these ads have been picked up by, you know, Fox, MSNBC. I yeah. mean, they're 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 in the circle now. They're in the cycle. So, you know, they understand that they can produce a web ad. Mm -hmm. And actually, it becomes, you know, viral in the sense that they're getting free airtime on 
on uh, on cable televisions all over the country. Or public broadcasting. Right. <laughs> 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 What's the long-term impact, Michael, of this? Um, uh, does this further erode confidence in politicians and government? Well, does I it think really it, matter? I think it does, but I, I don't think to a great degree. And I think Lee's right. I think this is going to be the end of it. The, uh, the Republican thing was clearly in very poor taste, and, and I, I think he's right that it'll end it and we'll get on to other things. I don't think most people like it. Some think it funny, but I hope nobody takes it serious. It's That would really be tragic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you can take those guys seriously. But to me, the real interesting thing is when you look at the fundamentals yeah. of where the polls are at right now, you know, with with Lee Fisher not having much money, Portman having a lot of money, in a bad year for Republicans, I mean, for Democrats, um, Lee Fisher and Rob Portman are essentially in a dead heat. Okay. And so, if you're if you're Lee Fisher and you're in, in this kind of environment, you know, no, you're not excited, but you're not too depressed at this point either. Okay. It's been thought that Columbus has too many arenas for a city its size. The 20,000-seat Schottenstein Center has competed with the 20,000-seat Nationwide Arena since they both opened about 10 years ago. Now officials hope they have solved part of the problem. They will be managed as one. OSU will take control of running Nationwide Arena this summer. It could save a couple of million dollars, and it could be the first step toward reworking the lease for the Blue Jackets. Gil Price, this will help, but it's not going to solve the money problem down at Nationwide. It's not going to solve the money problem, and the and the major problem that you have, of course, is that the Blue Jackets. Well, there are two things: they're not winning, and they're not at this point. They're not making money. So, I mean, you know, if you have a better lease, maybe it'll do a little bit better. But uh, but obviously, uh, Columbus is a is a city that loves to produce a winner, and until the and initially, you know, the first for the first several years, people were just excited about being a major league team. But now the sense of being a major league city has kind of worn off, and so the the fun the, the economics of the hockey industry are in yeah. trouble, and that's reflected in Columbus as well. When I covered the um, you know the beer tax they were trying to get in to help with the team and the arena, my understanding was though that the um, it was the lease agreement that where in the trouble lay. Yeah. If, if my mother will get me on that one, yeah. if I don't say that right, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, the, it's it was a lease agreement that maybe they're going to be able to get out of now. And you know, my understanding was that you know, even regardless of the, what happened with the team, that the real estate issue was part of the problem. Yeah, they're losing like twelve million dollars a year and. Um, that's the problem they face. Um, one of the things that's been talked about is tearing down St. John Arena at OSU. Anyone have fond attachments to St. John and don't want to see it go away? Well, you know, in, in that arena, though, I mean, or in that world, I won't use the word arena, but obviously St. John's is an anachronism today. I mean, that's the reality that we're dealing with, you know. Those types of, of facilities, I know they've talked about creating a little 3,500 seat facility for the things they have there. But St. John's is an anachronism, and, and probably the land, quite frankly, when you look at what's happening at OSU, is probably more valuable for something else. That's probably a better size, Mike, arena for OSU basketball than, than what the shot is. The shot's really well, almost probably, too big. That's probably true, but I, don't, I, I think the, they'll stick with the shot, and I think I saw where to repair and bring it up to date and so forth would be worth more than, uh, uh, than it would cost to build a new one. Uh, similar, I remember Comiskey Park, they said the same thing. We'd love to keep it for the history, yeah. but to, to fix it up would actually cost more than to build a new ballpark. So I think it's gone. It just depends you know, how many years. 
Lee, do you expect, when do we expect a bailout for the Blue Jackets to uh, surface this summer? I'm not sure when to expect a bailout. I'm not sure it's going to be a bailout um, in the uh, most uh, appropriate sense of that word. I think you're probably going to be looking at uh, three players coming together, and we've seen the first step of this consensus uh, with this agreement. Um, but I think we're going to have, obviously, nationwide, um, the Blue Jackets themselves, and then some kind of public partnership. So we're going to kind of have all three of these coming in. Maybe it'll be this summer. Um, I could see it even being past the fall uh, election season. Okay. Well, maybe we'll be like Green Bay, and you know, we'll own our own team. We own the Clippers. <laughs> Look how well they're doing. <laughs> All right, our last topic. Nearly two years after voters capped payday lending interest rates at 28%, companies are still charging big bucks for short-term loans. While the interest rate is capped, fees are not. And after the law took effect, customers soon had to pay new fees or increased fees, so the Ohio House this week tried to close those loopholes, and it's now in the hands of the uh, state Senate. Gil Price, I thought the voters took care of this. Well, they thought they did, too. Uh, but, you know, this issue uh, with this passage has kind of unleashed a lot of concerns. There were um, there some pretty, you know, some you know, pretty bitter fights, actually, among, the, among some of the Democrats, among uh, some, some uh, African-American Democrats. And the Ohio Legislative Black Caucus kind of got involved. The... Uh, uh, there was some, there was a lot of feuding on this issue, and ultimately, you know, when you look at the vote, it was 61-37. Um, only two Democrats, I think, only two Black Democrats voted against uh, the bill, and 13 Republicans voted for it. But, but it's still been, uh, I think, there are still some questions as to whether it will pass in the Senate. Because the, well. the concern is that. Folks, this is their only option to get cash on a, on a quick basis. That was, you know, the, that was the argument that some legislators made, and it's an argument that they're going to have to, uh, I think, no matter what happens uh, in the Senate, they're going to have to look at this, I think, in some way. If they close these loopholes, aren't there other loops and holes out there that I think find? that's what this kind of showed, is that, uh, you know, we... Uh, put a limit of one sort on and you know it, it sort of flowed like water right in um, as really predicted um, but the other interesting thing is that the industry said it would be put out of business by the ballot issue it was not now it's saying it's going to be put out of business by this bill it will not be yeah. <laughs> you know I mean where there's demand there's going to be a way to make this happen but one of the things that the industry would also note is that when in 2007, I think there were 1,600 of these. Today there are 800 of them. So it has, uh, and I don't know if that's just it's you know, a shakeout. Yeah. I don't know if it's a shakeout of of some companies that weren't doing well, or if there, or if the law has had an impact. I don't know, but I think that's one of the things that, you know, it did have an impact on the number of them. So it's better than when interest rates were 400 percent. Only 392. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll find, they'll find a way, just like yeah. we were talking about, about you can't do the 28%, so they give you the same amount of money, and, but they give it in a check form. And if you want your check cash, they charge you X amount of money, yeah. which brings it back up to the level anyway. They'll, they'll find, can't do they'll that. find uh, they can't yeah. do it now with this new bill, with yeah. This new bill. But they'll well, find some other way, Gil, right. to get around it, I suspect. And this is all assuming that we get this passed in the Senate, yeah. which, uh, from talking to folks, it sounds like it's got a pretty good chance there. I think Bill Harris is on the record, not totally supportive, but it's, you know. There's room there. There's room. Well, okay. you've got Houston and Widener. I gotta, I gotta get you supporting him. Yeah. Let's get to our weekly off the record comments from our panel. Final thoughts, predictions for the weeks ahead. Michael Miller up first. 
Well, I think uh, John Kasich will have a list of people trying to find a picture of uh, Governor Strickland with anybody from Greece, uh, Jimmy the Greek, anybody, and he will do the same thing trying to find Kasich's, and the first guy that finds a picture will accuse the other guy of causing the Greece economy to collapse. <laughs> <laughs> Lee? Um, I think that uh, we've taken a first step here with the uh, nationwide uh, arena, and then in the next few months, uh, hopefully we'll be adding more to that, and uh, by this time next year, we will have a healthy hockey team here in Columbus. Financially? Financially healthy. <laughs> okay. Ice is another thing. Julie? It doesn't sound from the panel like this is too uh, daring of me, but I think if Kathy Collins-Taylor goes forward with her confirmation hearing that she will not um, be confirmed. Okay. And Gil? I'm looking forward to this uh, constitutional amendment that a group is trying to put on the ballot that's going to uh, restructure our Constitution to uh, do some very interesting things. I think that's going to be an issue that we're going to probably be looking at later on in the year. The Ohio sovereignty issue. Right. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. We urge you to check out our website. There you can see streaming video of each episode in case you miss one. A link to our Facebook page and also a link to our blog. That's all on our website, WOSU.org slash C-O-T-R. I'm Mike Thompson. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI, thanks for joining us. We leave you this week with a plea, part of a plea from our friends up north. Have a good week. There comes a time when a decision must be made. Will the king move on or will he stay? Bye.